Did you know you could become a government contractor even if you are a solo entrepreneur? So even if it's just one person in your company, you can still become a government contractor. A lot of companies are very scared of getting into government contracting because there are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of roadblocks or at least what seem like roadblocks to getting into the market. One of those is the finances to get into the market. If you're unaware, it often takes initially for you to get your first check from the government anywhere from 60 to 90 days. There's an onboarding process after you win a contract. Then you have to put people to work or you have to start working on delivering products or whatever it may be. Then you have an invoice period, which is usually net 30. And then, you know, sometimes the government's late, sometimes it's not. And so it may be 60, 90 days before you get your first check from the government. And also depending on what type of work you're doing, if it's services work, even if you win a contract on say January 1st, they may not actually start the work until March. It really just depends. So now, even though you've won a contract on January 1st, you don't start work until say March 15th. Then you go 30 days, you invoice in April 15th and you don't get paid till May 15th. So it could be that long until you get your first check. That's usually one of the biggest challenges people have is, hey, there's a lot of financial commitments that I need to be thinking about. And so I just can't get into the market because of that. There's also a lot of myths in the market about just getting a government grant or being the middleman and that sort of thing. And while you can be the middleman in some situations, that is not always the case. There are limits on subcontracting. There are different clauses and rules that you have to abide by when you're being a government contractor. So you can't just win a contract and then have somebody else do all of the work in every case. In fact, that's a very small portion of the work that's out there. In the grand scheme of things, I wanted to give you a very real way that if you're a solo entrepreneur, you can get into this market. And it's not just for solo entrepreneurs. Maybe there's only two or three people in your company. You're a small company and you're just wanting to become a government contractor. Here are some really simple tips that I think will help you get into the market. The first thing is you have to understand in your first year, your goal is primarily about getting past performance. You're just trying to win contracts. You don't really care how big they are. You're trying to win contracts so that you have past performance and you don't care or you shouldn't care whether you are a subcontractor or the prime on those. In fact, a lot of times you're going to be the subcontractor because you don't have the past performance. However, if you're looking at smaller contracts, a lot of times you can bypass that need for the past performance, especially if you've done the work commercially. That's really one of my first tips is actually do some work commercially before you become a government contractor. That's the fastest, easiest way to leverage what you've done in the commercial market in order to jump in and do work in the government space. But guess what? A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are working in a job, probably in the government at some point, whether you are a contracting officer or a government employee or whatever it may be, and you get the bright idea that, hey, I could probably do this on my own and then I wouldn't have to work for this company. And so you kind of start like a moonlighting type of business where you launch your company and you try to win some government contracts. That is what probably 80% of the people that I meet that are solo entrepreneurs, that is how they get into this market. They're already in government. They like the idea and they're just trying to expand on that and actually make it happen. There are two really popular routes you can go with this. The first route is to pick a niche where you can self-perform. 
where you can basically do the work. There's a lot of these that are out there. Typically, these opportunities are not going to show up on a forecast. They're not going to show up in Sam.gov. They're things where you're going to have to build a relationship with the contracting officers, the small business reps, those folks, and you're going to have to develop these opportunities. But these are small opportunities. Think under $250,000. Some of the niches that you can self-perform on are project management. That's a really good one. There's IT work. I had a client that was a forensic accountant. And so that was a, a really interesting one. There's a lot of things like that or similar to that where it's your skill set. It's the job you're doing. And now you're going to look for opportunities within the government to do that yourself, where the contract is literally going to be one person. That person is you and you're going to be doing that work for that government client. If you're already a government employee or you work for a government contractor already, one of the things I recommend is look at your employee agreement, look at your non-compete agreement, all that type of stuff, because you're likely not going to want to target the agency you're already working in. You're going to want to target an agency outside of that in order to not violate any of your employee agreements or non-compete agreements or any of those kind of things. Also, when you're looking at those agreements, look for a moonlighting clause. Is there anything that prevents you from doing that? Again, if you are in that situation where you are an employee and you're looking to go out on your own, if you're already out on your own, then that doesn't matter as much. That's just a heads up there. Pick a niche where you can self-perform and you're likely going to increase your income drastically by doing that. Did you know we have our own community for government contractors? It's called Federal Access. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers and you can get 50% off your first month. This thing is packed full of all kinds of resources, templates, documents, strategy guides, everything you need to be a government contractor. And it gets you in our inner circle where you have direct access to myself and my partner, Josh Frank. So go check it out today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's get back into this episode. Let's say that you are in the project management space and your company today pays you, say, $75,000 plus some benefits in order to do that project management job. If you go and land your first government contract, that's likely going to be somewhere in the $125, maybe even $150, depending on how specialized your project management skills. It may be $200 an hour to do that job you were doing for $75 an hour. You still got you know to think about your own benefits and your 401k and whatever it else is that company was contributing to your income. You got to think about all that kind of stuff. But if you can go from $75 an hour to $150 an hour, you can likely make up all of those extra benefits by doing that. And again, self-performing on that work. That's one route you can go. Another route you can go is to pick a niche where the limits on subcontracting either don't apply or they won't be a problem for you. Think of things like being a product reseller or software licensing or even the construction space where you can be the general contractor and have a bunch of subs doing different things for you. And so you're not necessarily having to do all the work. You're not having to swing every single hammer, install every foot of pipe and that kind of stuff. It's a different type of job. The thing I like about software licensing is you're not delivering a physical product. So that's a really attractive one to me. It means 
means there's less problems that can happen from shipping. It means the costs are stable. So I really like that category as well. When you get into other products that you're reselling, then you have to worry about the relationships with those vendors, manufacturers, whatever it may be. You have to worry about credit lines and all that kind of stuff. In those situations, again, you're got to be very careful about your cost, but you've also got to be very, very careful about the size of the contract you go after. If you go after a really big contract, that vendor or that manufacturer may say, hey, Mike, you know, this is a million dollar contract. And what's our assurances that you're going to pay us? And you're going to have to have the government you know, fill out some paperwork to pay us instead of you. Like there's all kind of complexities that could come into play unless you're working in the smaller contract realm where you can get a simple line of credit from them and it's just an easier thing. Now, the problem when you're doing reseller stuff, the problem when you're doing products and stuff like that, if you're not the manufacturer, then your margin's gonna be smaller. So you may only have somewhere between a six and 12%, maybe 15% margin on those products because you're not the manufacturer. You may sell a million dollars worth of stuff, but only get $100,000 worth of profit at the end of the day, which is, is a lot that's pretty awesome, but there's a lot of effort that goes into making a transaction like that happen. And so it's just a little more complex. That's why I say stick to the smaller types of opportunities initially that will make this whole process smoother. I really like the services side of the business where you can self-perform. Again, you can be that project manager. You can be that IT person person, cybersecurity, an accountant, whatever it is, you can do that work in your niche, in your skill set that you already have. To me, it's an easier route to go, but there's nothing wrong going with construction or reselling or any of that other stuff. People make a great living doing it. It's just not my personal preference. Here's a couple of suggestions for you to make this run smoothly. Number one, focus on one product line or service. You can't, as a solopreneur, come out of the gate and say, hey, there's these 16 things that I specialize in and all that. No, you got to focus on one product, one capability, one service, whatever it may be. And that's the one thing you do better than anybody else under the sun. So focus on that. I've already talked about this, but I want to reiterate, focus on the small project. Stay under $250,000 on a project. That will allow you, number one, to target things that are not on everybody's radar and to conserve that cash flow if you actually win those projects. The next one is focus on one agency and go deep. Don't just sit there when you're doing your initial sales and marketing type of efforts. Don't focus on everything under the sun. Don't spend all your time on Sam just browsing current opportunities. Those opportunities have been shaped for months, if not years by people. Focus on getting to know an agency and their org chart and the sub agencies underneath them. Build relationships with them. Just go deep. The next tip, absolutely 100% leverage the Osdibu and Office of Small Business. So that Osdibu, that is the Office of Small Disadvantaged Business Utilization. If you qualify for any sort of status, you're going to want to go get that status and then you're going to want to leverage these small business offices to build relationships and open doors within these agencies. That's their whole purpose in life. All you've got to do is Google Osdibu or OSBP and the name of the agency you want to go after and you'll get a list of contacts that you can reach out to. The next one here is in your first year, I want you to 
focus on building your cash reserves and your credit lines. That is how you're going to take the business to the next level. If you want to go from a solopreneur in that laptop lifestyle type of business to a big business where you have employees and all that kind of stuff, you're going to need cash to grow. That's just the bottom line. You're going to need that cash. Over the course of your first year or so in business, you need to be building a cash reserve and building credit lines, building a good relationship with your bank in order to make sure when the time comes and you need to flip the switch and hire employees, you've got the cash flow to do it. The next one here is one that a lot of people struggle with. And again, this is my suggestion to you. Not everybody's going to come out of the gate and just start hitting home runs. It's just not the way it is. If that was the case, we would hear way more success stories about people coming out of the gate and winning millions of dollars. A lot of people struggle in their first couple of years to become a government contractor. In fact, most people without the right training, without the right access to experts and all that, the average company is going to take three to five years to win their first government contract. Sounds like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, if you can accelerate that process and while you're working another job, get your first government contract, in order to remove yourself from the job and go full-time as a solopreneur, you need to build up your business. I always recommend in that first year or two of running your company to just focus on those few opportunities. Get some cash flow under your belt, like I've said. Get some experience under your belt and don't be in a rush to hire employees to grow and go to the next level. Take that time to learn. If you're one of those people that's fortunate enough, you are working at a job and you won your first contract, don't push yourself to go faster than you should. A lot of people push themselves. They'll rush out and quit that job and then they're three, four, five months into the contract and they realize, hey, I need another contract, but I don't have time because I'm working 40, 50 hours on this contract that I already have and I don't have time to hire somebody to do sales. I don't have time to hire somebody to do anything else. And then they wake up one day and they're like, oh man, that contract is ending in three months and I don't have a pipeline. I haven't done anything sales related to build the business. Don't be in that situation. And then one of my final tips here is don't be afraid to go get a second job if you need it. So if you're running your business and you are self-performing on the work and maybe that self-performing on the work is only taking 20, 25 hours a week worth of your time, don't be afraid to go get a job at FedEx or Walmart or someplace with benefits to help you cash flow wise and benefit wise bridge the gap while you're growing your business. A lot of people do that in the first years of their business. I did it. I worked at FedEx for almost three years while I was building the business. Honestly, I did that later in my business than I should have. I should have done it much earlier, but I didn't know it was a really good opportunity. Find something like that if you need it for cash flow. Don't worry about what other people think about you. They don't pay your bills. Don't worry about that at all. Focus on the cash flow, the benefits and things like that, that allow you to ease into growing your business. My final tip for today is if you enjoyed this podcast and you like all the tips in here, I want to recommend that you go listen to episode 216. That is your first year as a government contractor. It goes through a lot of suggestions and tips that you need to focus on in your first year as a government contractor. And I think that will help you as you're thinking about getting into this market, if that's where you are. Even if you have been in the business for two or three years, there's a lot of information in that podcast that maybe you didn't think about. And now you can go back and use it as a checklist. So that's episode 216, your first year as a government contractor. 
Contractor. Make sure you go and watch this right after this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Game Changers. If you did, please go like and share this episode on your social media, as well as rate and review the episode. That helps other government contractors find out about the podcast and benefit just like you. We'll see you next time.